happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to the Saved Podcast. If you have been a long time listener, and by long time, I mean like the two months that I've been recording this podcast, or this is your first week here, I appreciate your time and thanks for checking in. My current plan is that after recording and posting this podcast, I am going to announce it and promote it on my personal pages. And hopefully that brings in some new listeners. And um, I just really pray that you have a, a second today to just listen through this message and allow your heart to be encouraged and maybe even challenged so that you could grow into a deeper relationship with. Christ. So on today's podcast, I want to talk about the fact that Christianity is not considered cool. And I don't think we have to look far to see examples of this. Um, I think it's something that's pretty wide held in culture right now. Um, Christians are viewed as intolerant, um, especially when it comes to social issues such as abortion and gay marriage. Um, Christians are viewed as unintelligent, um, especially in the arena of creation versus evolution. Um, Some people think that Christianity isn't cool because Christians don't ever have fun. Um, They're given... Christians are kind of given that um, perception or they have people have that perception about them that um, you can never count on a Christian to have a good time. And also some people view Christianity as a condescending faith. Um, unfortunately, some people have experienced times where in the name of Christ, someone else has talked down to them or told them that they're different or um, just treated them differently for whatever reason. And my heart just breaks for all of those different reasons that Christianity isn't considered cool. Um, because unfortunately, those perceptions aren't aren't the truth, aren't the heart of what Christ has for us. Um, Christ's message is, is one of love and of acceptance, but also it's one of challenging us to give up sin and to follow him. He very clearly points out how the world has been created, and there is very clear scientific evidence for creation. Um, I don't have time to go into it today and I would love to do it at a future time or for you to look into it more yourself. Um, but it almost takes more faith to believe that somehow we're just random organisms that climbed up out of the water as little algae and somehow came to the life forming conscientiousness that we have today. Um, so I'm just saying that even in that, and that alone is pretty good evidence to start looking at the fact that there's probably a creator that coordinated all of evolution on, well, not all of evolution, but all of creation and natural selection. So anyway, Christianity isn't cool. Um, At least it's not perceived cool by those that don't know Christ. Now, thankfully, there is quite a bit of encouragement in the word. Um, That's where I'm going to draw most of my encouragement for you today. Um, I pray that maybe you are in someone that doesn't yet know Christ and maybe might have some of these beliefs yourself that Christians fall into any of those um, kind of boxes, I'll say, that I just mentioned. Maybe you're someone that believes that, and I hope that these verses will kind of give you some encouragement. Um, Maybe you've been walking with Christ for quite some time, yet you're kind of sick of being struck down by very brutal Twitter culture or just other perceptions that people have of you. Um, Maybe you're a new believer and you haven't yet had the faith or boldness to share your faith with anyone or to take action on your faith um, because you're afraid of being perceived as uncool. And I just pray that these verses that we're about to walk through will give you some encouragement. 
So let's dive into it. I am going to start in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25. Here, Jesus is speaking to the disciples during the Last Supper. So of course, that's the supper that he last had with his disciples um, before Judas portrayed him in the garden and sold him to the Roman officials for him to be crucified um, before Peter denied him three times. At this point, it's Jesus's kind of final parting words. So I think if uh, any of us knew what was coming. We knew that our end was coming and that it was going to be brutal. We would probably make sure that our last words um, to those that we cared about and loved about had extra importance or extra meaning. So anyway, John chapter 15, if you have a Bible with you or the Bible app, I encourage you to pull it out because it's always great to get in God's word for yourself. And I am starting with verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be fully guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me, hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law, they hated me without reason. So looking at this passage, the first part, Jesus is kind of giving the disciples a little bit of context as to, or a little bit of heads up that the world's not going to accept them. And then Jesus himself talks about why he was hated by this world um, and how those that hated him, even after seeing the miracles that he performed now have no excuse um, before God for their unbelief. Um, Something that I find encouraging here is that the world hated Jesus first. Um, and I think this is something that maybe we don't, we don't think about a lot. Um, yes, Jesus had big crowds of followers and he had the disciples and he was performing miracles and he had quite a following. Um, but there's very clear just examples in scripture where the Pharisees, the ruling religious leaders at the time um, of the Jewish religion, just railed on him. I mean, they were trying to trick him into saying things that would contradict himself. They were trying to get him to admit that he was um, committing just terrible idolatry, that he was an imposter. Um, They despised what he was doing. And ultimately, they despised that he was getting more attention than they were, that he was kind of upsetting the current system. So here the encouragement is take heart and run to Jesus with those feelings of rejection or um, feelings of heartbreak that you might feel in this world because of your faith in knowing that Jesus understands it. Jesus himself experienced it. It's not foreign to him. It's not something he can't relate to, but ultimately he experienced kind of the most extreme persecution um, imaginable and that he was persecuted by the ruling class and then ultimately crucified for what he had done and what he had said. So that's the first passage of encouragement, John 15, 18 through 25. Let's talk about another verse. Let's go to John chapter seven, verse seven. 
Here, Jesus is speaking to his biological brothers that have not yet acknowledged that he was the Messiah. And I think that that must definitely be um, divine intervention and also a sign of our own ignorance sometimes, um, of just mankind's ignorance, and that Jesus's biological brothers and sisters um, had lived with him for 30 years as he was growing up, and they still didn't know his identity of the Messiah until Jesus began his earthly ministry and was baptized by John the Baptist in the river. Um, So anyway, that's to give you some context as to the point, I guess, that we're talking about right here, the the historical period in time, um, is that Jesus is talking to his siblings that don't yet know him. And therefore, in verse 7, he says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. I don't think I'm going to go into too much elaboration on that one because I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, and just saying that when we're of the world and that when we um, don't abide by God's commands, it's pretty easy for us to fit in and gain popularity um, with those around us. However, when we live in the light of Jesus and um, when we hold ourselves to a different standard that is set forth by him, um, it's going to be a little bit tougher to be accepted by the world. Another passage I have for today is in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. Here the Apostle John, not John the Baptist, but the Apostle John, that was one of the 12 um, that followed Jesus, he is writing to encourage believers at a time where another religion was cropping up. Um, kind of this form of um, perverted Christianity where people were told that if they just had enough faith in themselves, then God would give them all the strength that they needed which, I mean, we hear that today. That's still something that's pretty prevalent and something that sells a lot of books. Um, But anyway, Apostle John is writing to encourage believers during that time. And starting with verse 11, he says, for this message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. So here the Apostle John is drawing a parallel in saying that the first children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, um, experienced the detrimental effects of the fall or of original sin when um, Abel's sacrifices were more pleasing to God's or to God than um, Cain's were, and Cain became jealous and therefore killed Abel. So the parallel here is that as we live or as we attempt to live through the power of the Holy Spirit an upright and righteous life, um, those that are challenged by that are going to be jealous as well. And I'm not saying this is totally unbelievers versus believers. I know I even feel like Cain sometimes when I feel like someone is more um, righteous than I am or feel like someone has a closer relationship with Jesus. Not that those things are necessarily true um, because there's nothing that we can do in our own power um, to make us absolutely right with God again or nothing that we can do that earns more love um, than something someone else can do. Um, But it's easy to let those lies and those feelings of jealousy crop up within us. And that's what unfortunately happens with unbelievers as well, um, is that that kind of hatred is seen um, towards people who have a relationship with Christ. Another encouragement from the Apostle John found in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, he's saying, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but of the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. 
I kind of see these verses as more of an encouragement um, and just saying that, I guess verse 15 um, is an encouragement and 16 and excuse me, verse 15 is a commandment and verses 16 through 17 is an encouragement in saying that um, do not love anything of this world. And when I hear these verses, I'm very challenged and convicted because anything of this world means material possessions. Um, I think it also means societal possessions or societal status or popularity and saying, don't love the recognition of this world. Don't love the status quo of this world. Um, don't love being accepted by this world. Um, because if you love that, the love for the father is not in them because ultimately you're trying to serve those things more than you're trying to serve God and give him all the glory, essentially kind of having an idolatrous spirit, um, about gaining the acceptance and possessions of this world. Um, but the encouragement in verse 17 is a reminder that the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And I think we could even finish that verse by saying lives forever with him. Um, because after, um, Christ comes back for the second coming and takes those that have known him um, into eternity with him, essentially we're all going to live forever. And it's either going to be with him um, as one of his children, or unfortunately it's going to be apart from him um, with the evil one. Um, so the point of this is that um, when we find ourselves being tempted to, to walk away from approval of God into approval of man, um, to really do a heart check. And then finally, in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and please excuse me here while I look this verse up. I had all of the other ones pre-searched um, and copied into my notes, so it was a little bit faster to read for you guys, but I did not grab this one, so let me find it for you. Okay, here we go. Thanks to good old Google. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desires, you desire, but do not have. So you kill, you covet, but cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So right here in the first part of this um, passage, again, I hope you take a second. I know I've been jumping around to quite a few passages, but I hope you turn to this one um, just so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. The first kind of chunk of this passage in James chapter four, verses one through three, probably I would say, um, here we're learning from the author that... Um, when we focus on the world, that's when we see division with one another. So what causes division? What causes fights and quarrels? They come from desires that battle within you, your desires for the world. You don't receive them, so you kill. You covet what other people have on this earth, and you cannot get it, so you quarrel and fight. You do not ask God, but when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Now, other places in scripture talk about how um, Jesus says, ask in my name and it shall be given to you. James kind of puts that in context for us and says, if you ask for your own self motives, if you ask um, for popularity, if you ask for a platform, if you ask for acceptance and love from this world, and it's not to the glory of God, you're not going to get it, which I think is pretty kind of God to spare us from that. Um, and that if we do receive those things. Um, they're not necessarily of him. 
And then in verse four um, of chapter four in James, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Now, I don't think this is saying that friendship with people that don't know Christ makes us an enemy of God. I think that's quite far from the truth, given the fact that we're called to share Jesus's good news. And sharing Jesus's good news doesn't always mean um, just telling it to random strangers as they pass down the street. I think some of the most effective um, evangelism happens when we have lifelong bonds with people and not by just our words, but by our actions and how we lead our life. They're slowly drawn to Christ and see how attractive a life is with him. So not to say that becoming a friend with someone um, on this earth causes you to be an enemy of God, but if you value that friendship or you um, get really invested in that friendship, like a very intimate friendship, like seeking the world for counsel um, or advice, that's kind of where you run into trouble. Um, Ultimately, the best direction and encouragement for life will not come from anything or anyone or any person um, who is giving worldly advice, but it's going to come through um, seeking God's word and seeking God's spirit in prayer and seeking wise counsel from those that know him. So that's where I'll park on jumping through scripture today. Um, And I just want to provide some applicable encouragement here, just the things that I gleaned um, from what we read. And not to say that you have to 100% agree with everything that I'm reading here or say here, but I hope that it does provide you some encouragement. Um, I have a hard time believing that or I have a hard time believing the line of thinking that says I need to do what it takes to be more popular and get a bigger platform so that I can share God. Um, Unfortunately, and I know I've even had these thoughts sometimes, I think to myself, why don't I do whatever it takes to be popular and to get more people to follow me and like me? And then I can share the good news of God and I'll have more people to share it with because I'll be more popular. Um, That's not true at all because while maybe the intent there is is you know, kind of focused on God, I really don't think it gives him the glory and honor um, and high honor that he deserves. I think a better line of thinking is saying, I'll elevate God above myself and be afforded by him whatever size platform I need to do that. So instead, here's a really practical example that something I've been working through with this podcast, instead of saying, oh man, I'll just talk about things that are trendy and popular and I won't talk about um, controversial things or I'll kind of gloss over parts of scripture that people don't like so I get more popular and then I can share the truth. That's not what God's asking me to do at all. Um, Instead, his word and time in prayer with him clearly reveals that I'm just called to share his good news and whatever size audience he brings to this podcast is for his glory and not for mine. Um, So really keeping in mind that it's not better to be cool. Um, We're not called to be of the world. Um, We're not called to be popular. We're not called to be fit in. Um, We're called to be in this world, but not of this world in saying that we are Christ's ambassadors for heaven while we spend time here on this earth. But ultimately, this earth is not our home. And I think that's probably the best kind of closing reminder, closing remark that I can give is a reminder that while we are at this world for a temporary time, um, and while it seems appeasing to, to take it to have it easy and to be accepted, we have to remember that ultimately this is not our home. We're not here to represent ourselves. We're here to represent Christ. And um, ultimately we're here for this time on earth and honestly for all of eternity for his glory and not our own. So I will leave you today with the encouragement found in Romans 12 verses one through two. 
where Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So thank you so much for sticking around through the duration of the podcast today. That's where I'm going to leave it at. Please make sure to give me a uh, review or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to. I do have a um, email address. It's thesavedpodcast at gmail.com. Also have an Instagram for the saved podcast and stick around. Make sure to check back in next week. And I look forward to talking to you then. Thanks, guys.